2: All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher, alongside a fired-up Drew Dinsick. As always, today we're going to talk about Browns-Rams, which is a very strange game. Uh, We will talk about 49ers-Eagles, the marquee game of the week, as well as Dolphins-Commanders. Less marquee, but does have some compelling aspects, and then we will get to our best bets. But let's start with Browns against your Los Angeles Rams drew the rams are three and a half point favorites the total is 40 this line was five at one point it's come down with the news that miles garrett uh is not going to have a season ending type of injury he doesn't practice the past two days which is a bit of a concern for his availability in this game looks like it's probably going to be joe flacco uh which is a Terrifying sentence to utter aloud. Uh, What's your breakdown of this one?
3: Yeah, we got to start with injuries and it's all Browns Um, They made a correct uh, Presumably a correct organizational decision to stay on the West Coast after playing in Denver uh, So that they're not traveling twice this late in the season and putting all those extra miles on their bodies But uh, they probably could have used a week at home and getting like the rest recuperation sleeping in their own beds type of uh, Situation because they are banged up big time. And the Miles Garrett news and him being available does not move the needle for me at all because he is limited to the degree that I would expect his pass rush contributions are going to be somewhat muted this year, you know, this week even though the um uh you know the Browns have uh you know the style of defense that people are keying on as being especially uh, effective against uh, Matthew Stafford and yes, I you know I I acknowledge that. Like if you if if we get into the state here where Stafford is uh, expected to make let plays develop downfield and make precision passes, uh, you know, beyond 20 yards. The Rams are probably losing this game, but I don't think it's going to come down to that. I really, really like the Rams in this spot for a multitude of reasons. Um, I'm not saying Miles Garrett doesn't matter. Don't get me wrong, but they have enough depth that, and he's going to be limited enough in his ability to pass rush. If you watch any of the tape after he injured his uh, shoulder in the uh, Broncos game, he was not the same player. Um, and so I think ultimately, The bigger question is, will Denzel Ward go? Denzel Ward's absence was massively felt against the Broncos, and it will be super important for this game where you have this dynamic set of wide receivers for the uh, Rams going out there, and yes, I know Cooper Cup is hurt and hasn't been as effective. I know Puka Nakua has been hurt and hasn't been as effective, but they still have a number of different ways they can attack you, uh, and uh, the running game for the Rams has really been the straw that has stirred the drink for them um, when Kyron Williams has been healthy, and it was on display in spades last week, and yes, the uh, you're talking about a beast of a different color with the air Arizona Cardinals defense compared to the Browns, but the Browns can be had in the run game and they can be had on the road. And I think uh, a balanced attack here with the short passing rhythm passing from Stafford uh, to his tight ends to Tutu Atwell and whoever, you know, whatever uh, you can get out of um, uh, Cup and, and Nakua is gravy uh, should be enough to get into the 20s here. And at that point, you're asking Joe Flacco. Uh, who just got off his couch and is behind an offensive line with no tackles and is throwing maybe not even to Mari Cooper and is not handing off the ball to Bradley Chubb. It is, he's excuse me, Nick Chubb. He's handing off the ball to Jerome Ford. Um, and they're going up against yeah, Hall of Famer and Aaron Donald and, uh, you know, Defensive Rookie of the Year campaign, Uh, you know my my campaign for Defensive Rookie of the Year, and Byron Young at seventy five to one. Let's get him. Let's get him in the race. Um, Like it's just this is a, a matchup that says you know every ticks every box Rams and like ultimately like I don't live in a world where Joe Flacco gets off of his couch and goes on the road behind this offensive line and is competitive. I don't I don't live in that world. I live in a world where Joe Flacco ended last season. With one of the most miserable efforts you ever wanted to see in week 18 against the Dolphins where he mustered what six points and had 18 of 36 passing or something along those lines like like that's the world I live in. And so if you're you know if you're in the betting market here and you're saying that yes the Browns are the right play because their defense can match up well against Matthew Stafford all of the other angles of this handicap I feel like are. Uh, pointing squarely in the in the uh, direction of the browns i mean uh, the Rams and I think this is just in general a Ram's team that I'm buying right now uh, as being able to get their noses into the playoff mix in a week nFC okay very Christopher nolan
2: knee <laughs> say that this is the world that we live in uh a bit more inception than tenant hopefully uh I agree with your breakdown I think that Flacco it can't be understated exactly how bad Flacco was at the end of uh-huh. last season just and it's like he can still throw the ball, but he cannot move. He is just a complete statue. And now, uh, if I was to make the argument for the Browns, and I'm not particularly compelled to, but I would say that the Rams, the strength of their defense, they've only really got one, and his name is Aaron Donald, yeah. and he's an interior pass rusher. And the one part of the Browns' offensive line that is good is their interior, where they still have Batonio and Wyatt Teller uh, and Ethan Pochich and the tackles yeah. on the outside who aren't uh, up to snuff because they've, they've lost their guys. And so now uh, we're dealing with backups there. So that would be one thing. Mm-hmm. But I do think just the – you know, we think of the Browns as the best defense in football. Well, they're not the best defense in football if Denzel Ward, who hasn't practiced two days in a row, if he can't yeah. go, and if Miles Garrett – who it's so funny, it's the fancy saying there's no structural damage with his shoulder. Uh, Can I back minus 10,000 on the other side, Kevin? Because there's definitely structural damage. You don't have your arm in a sling and need help getting dressed if there's nothing wrong with your shoulder. Maybe it's not broken, but I'm sure there is something wrong with it that is going to hinder Garrett. And the fact that he hasn't practiced the past two days uh, implies that he's not going to be, you know, the, the world wrecker, uh, in this case, your world, uh, given I know you're (laughs) on the Rams, uh, that he has been for pretty much all of the season leading up to the Denver game. So, yeah, Amari Cooper was back at practice today. We're recording on Thursday, but uh, he may not be full go either. So you're really counting on Jerome Ford and the Browns running game against the meh, but not dreadful Rams rush defense. uh, And then Flacco is just the Giants unknown and I mean actually it's terrifying but I think he's probably a better option than PJ Walker at this point just because there's a bit more of an unknown with Flacco just because he's never been in this offense before and we've seen PJ Walker be in this offense and be effectively the worst quarterback in football this season so I agree I think that there is a certain flaw that Stafford and Nakua and Cup and Pigby and Kyron Williams that they give you that right now the Browns Uh, they don't have. And if Ward and Garrett were right, then I would feel differently, but they're not right. So I am with you uh, on the Rams. Uh, Let's jump to Miami, Washington quickly. Dolphins are nine and a half point favorites at the commanders. Total is 49 and a half. Uh, Do you have any play on this one?
3: Yeah, I fired an under on this one. Uh, And it comes down to a couple things. Dolphins are a fast team, they rely on speed. And uh, the FedEx field is pretty miserable. Uh, It's especially miserable in rainy conditions in December, which is expected on Sunday. Uh, And I think there's obviously nothing positive to say about the commander's defense. But at least Jack Del Rio is handed plays over to Ron Rivera, who seems to be coaching for his life. So if the commanders at least have some tendency breakers on defense and aren't as predictable, maybe that catches the Dolphins a little bit off guard. Um, But even more than that, my ratings right now for the Dolphins defense, and I know Jalen Phillips is out with the Achilles, but boy, oh boy like they have been playing outstanding football lately and they are shooting up in terms of EPA per play. They are shooting up in terms of just, uh, just overall quality success rate. Every metric that you can track uh, is telling you the dolphins are for real defensively now. Um, So the idea that the commanders are going to get into the double digits, I would really say is okay. Good luck to them. Um, Not really much. They're doing in terms of balanced offense right now, not nothing of confidence, uh, coming out of Sam uh, Howell at this point. And uh, I think the uh, remaining outstanding pass rushers for the Dolphins could be pretty effective at keeping the commanders in check here. So rather than lay the price with the Dolphins, which is pretty rich, uh, I took a shot at the under here, basically just expecting that the sloppy conditions in the slow field help uh, neutralize some of the speed of the Dolphins and that this is more of like a 30 to 10 type of game than it is, uh, you know, 35 to uh, to 17. Yep.
2: I think that's fair. I still, I'm still, i still surprised this game hasn't gotten to 10. Um, yep. The Dolphins are still favored by single digits. I think the Commander's defense has now just reached the point of, of absolutely no return where they have no hope of approaching seriousness or anything. They don't have any strength left with Sweat and Chase Young gone and the secondary was already bad. Uh, right now they have the worst pass defense in the NFL and now uh, understanding that... The turf may – the the conditions may slow down Tyreek and waddle to some extent, but they've got a fair bit of uh, wiggle room and margin for error uh, in terms of what they can do. And I agree that the Miami defense just – it's such an interesting test study of just what an, a true number one cornerback does for your defense. You compare what the Rams with Ramsey look like now, and particularly what they look like in Frankfurt against the Chiefs because that's the, that was their big – test uh, as a defense since Ramsey has come back and look how they slowed down Mahomes and the Chiefs scored what 14 points on offense that game and then got the fumble six from Tyreek uh compare that to what Buffalo did to Miami in the first month of the season where it was just a free for all and the Miami boundary corners just had no hope whatsoever so with Ramsey back in like the addition and Jalen Phillips going down is uh is terrible and and definitely hurts them but They do have other alternatives at pass rusher where that will be mitigated a little bit. uh, And just having Ramsey come in and look the way he does, yeah, I would think that this is going to be a top six or seven defense going forward uh, to pair with what is a top five offense. So the Dolphins are pretty good uh, at the moment. And I think they will cover this game. Okay, before we get to the big one, 49ers-Eagles, a reminder that Friday, December 1st at 11 a.m. Eastern, Vaughn Dalzell, Brad Thomas, and Eric Froton are answering your college football betting questions for conference championship weekend, including Jaden Milroe and Alabama trying to potentially crash the college football playoff with a win over number one Georgia in the SEC title game. I need Bama in that game, Drew. I need him in a big way, hopefully. uh mm. Dr. Saban uh, has cooked up something to uh, to knock Georgia. Are you tr-
3: you're trying to get Georgia out of the four. Yes, which is okay. so. I
2: need a I need a Bama win. Uh, which you know, what are they six and a half point dogs? It's doable. Uh, not likely, but but doable. Uh, yep. It's a one game one game title and everything anything can happen. So need Texas uh, to win. Need uh, UGA to lose. Also need the Philadelphia Eagles to lose. Drew's uh, nightmare, uh, America's nightmare, Australia's nightmare, uh, must end. The Niners are three-point favorites. Total is 47 and a half. It's Sunday, 4.25 p.m. Eastern game. Looks like there will be some rain about, though it's not going to be showers or anything. Looks like it will be drizzle. Mm. My man, Brock Purdy, has said that he'll chuck on a glove uh, if he needs to. Uh, but otherwise, uh, he is not affected by drizzle, he says. Uh, what's your <laughs> breakdown on this? Do you agree with the line now being? I mean, it's pretty incredible. Like the Eagles yeah. are plus 145 on the money line, some spots uh, at home. It's a 10 and 1 team. Uh, They're dealing with some injuries, though, with Fletcher Cox. Zach Cunningham and uh, Dallas got it. Expect that they will all not go. So, what's your read on this one?
3: when we previewed this on Sunday, I was gung ho, Niners, like, let's go. Yeah, here, f- finally, and the Eagles, the Bills come due. Can't keep getting away with this. Can't keep getting lucky. I- I've cooled on that a decent amount, mostly because I am a Hair concerned about the offensive line for the Niners, uh, and I am a hair concerned about the secondary for the Niners. Um, Not to say that either of those things really sways my confidence that they'll ultimately win this game. I think they will. Um, But I think there's a better way in right now than laying three points with them, and I think that's betting me over. Um, This is a decent opportunity, I think, for Brock Purdy to flex. Um, there is a lack of talent right now at the linebacker position for the Eagles because of injury and just the way that this team is rostered. Um, They have kind of gotten by with, uh, you know, kind of patching and sticks and twine at the safety position, although the move for Bayard has definitely helped elevate them a little. Um, The slippage in play from Bradbury and Slay this year cannot be denied. Like those cornerbacks can be beaten now. And I think that uh, just the general mastery of uh, scheme that Shanahan brings to the table with his healthy set of weapons should be enough to get Brock Purdy and company into the high 20s here, uh, at which point it's going to be up to the Eagles to play catch up. And you know, the Eagles are at a state right now where they have a decent advantage with their wide receivers up against the secondary for the Niners. The absence of Hufanga probably matters here in terms of uh, being just an absolute lockdown defense that can put this game away comfortably. Um, but I don't see the Niners running away here with their power running game if they do have a lead. And I don't think the Eagles can realistically put this one away either. So this is a game that I think is going to be score and answer. It's going to be decided up in the fourth quarter. It's going to come down to the high leverage plays. It does scare me a little bit that the Eagles are so unbelievably effective at those high leverage plays. I do I don't think that the short yardage stuff for the Niners is all that great in terms of defense. And so that's a little concerning that they are ever going to be able to get the key stop, not unlike what we saw with the Buffalo Bills last week. So um, when it's all said and done, I think that it should probably be two and a half. Three is fine, but not bettable in my opinion. Uh, But I think this total is still a little bit too low. I would have made it 49. I think over 47 and a half is still a play. I got 46 and a half, which at the time felt like an absolute gift. But I think there was some concern about the weather with that. Kind of waning now. Uh, This looks like a pretty cool offensive game to me. And uh, as long as it's like 24 24 in the fourth quarter, we can uh, just enjoy a a fantastic ending. What I want to ask you is there are some sharp books that will take some big bets in the MVP market right now, Jay. Yeah. And they will line, they will give you a price of Jalen Hurts plus 125 to win the MVP, which is conveniently the exact same money line price of this game. Okay. Th- that seems like a poison price for me because I don't think this win clinches this award for Hertz. But what it does do is kind of eliminate the Brock Purdy candidacy, right? Um, how do you see this game in particular playing out like that the ramifications in the MVP market? Uh, and uh, you know is is there a way to get a better price on Hertz MVP by just parlaying Moneyline Eagles this week with Moneyline Eagles next week against Dallas? because presumably two more wins for the Eagles, and it's a wrap, right?
2: Yeah, I can't remember an MVP race with this little clarity going into uh, where we are in the season now. Like, I think that there are five guys who could all make the case that their fair price is shorter than uh, nine to one, which is almost unprecedented. And I would make that case for (laughs) Hurts, Mahomes, Purdy, Lamar, and Dak. I also would not rule out Tyreek Hill entirely, Mm. given that he is uh, on pace to... uh, have the greatest wide receiver season of all time and may well get the one seed and there may be an uninspiring uh one seed candidate in the other conference in terms of how this game ripples across i think that in a way i think actually the higher leverage mvp game just for hertz specifically is going to be next week against dallas because we're recording this on thursday so uh i'm assuming that dallas are going to take care of business and beat the seahawks and if they do the Dak noise is going to get louder and louder. And then he will go into Sunday night football at home with extra rest against Hertz. And I think that if Dak wins that game, then it's going to be difficult for Hertz. He's not dead by any means in the race, but that will, like, Dak will be, he may well be your MVP favorite if he wins the next two games, regardless of what happens in this Philadelphia San Francisco game. People for now are more ready to anoint Dak than they are Purdy. And I think ultimately the DAC is not going to win this award because after Philadelphia, he has to go at Buffalo, at Miami, uh, home Detroit. And I think he's just going to lose one of those games and the bubble is burst because he'll lose one and then he'll be locked into a five seed. But I think that is the high leverage game for Hertz is next week. In terms of this one, I think that, it's kind of going to be like a one-two punch, where if he loses this, then he loses Dallas. I don't think he's just done. Yeah, um, right. if he splits them, then it's a little bit up in the air. And if he wins both, then I think he could pretty much wrap up MVP by beating Seattle the following week on Monday Night Football. I think, and we spoke about this before we started recording, but I think you're right in that I think to have real confidence that Hurts is going to win MVP – He needs to be two wins clear of the field as he is now because that's his only case. His only case is wins. He has no actual real case on merit over Purdy, over Dak, over Mahomes. He does have one over Lamar, uh, and he may not need that gap over Lamar, but uh, I think that he's going to need a two-win gap, and I think that's unlikely that that's going to eventuate because of these next three weeks on the schedule and the fact that the Chiefs have such an easier schedule and the fact that the Niners three-point favourites on the road at Philadelphia and are just a better team than Philadelphia. At least that's what the market is telling us and that's what I believe. So ultimately, I don't think there is any way in to bet Jalen Hurts MVP. Uh, if you fully believe that, then I guess you have to believe that Eagles plus 145 money line is a bet. But for everyone else, who is probably the majority, like me, who have been fading hurts in this market, I think you're just going to swallow hard and uh, hope that Nick Bosa and Mike pass, Mike wreak some
3: havoc for the next two weeks. <laughs> Yeah, the rest advantages for the Niners and the Cowboys hopefully come to fruition. Um, and that's really, I like I agree with basically every single thing you said there with the exception of the market telling us that there's this big of a gap between these two teams. I think there's some situational stuff built sure. into this number, right? Yeah. Like the, the extra rest and the fact that the Eagles defense was on the field for a million minutes against the Bills, like that's definitely built in here. Like <laughs> make no Niners, mistake.
2: Yeah. The Niners have everyone. And the Eagles yeah, right, are exactly. going to be without... Cunningham, yeah. Fletcher Cox, and yeah. Dallas got it, and those yeah. three guys make a material impact. So, yeah, yeah if this is the NFC title game, yeah. which will likely be in Philadelphia between these two teams, then mm-hmm. I don't think the line is going to be three. I think it would interesting. Be like, I think it would be more like one and a half, if gotta, really healthy.
3: Yeah, I got to ask you one follow-up. So, I went through since 1999 through today, and kind of went through the rubric of how do you get the. Um, MVP, right? Like what does it take? Um, and I agree with all of everyone in your list, even Tyree kill, because there is plenty of examples of like, Hey, if you have an all time season at a skill position group, and it's a year where no other quarterback stands out and you're the one seed, you got it, buddy. Like Ladainian Tomlinson, John Alexander, uh, Marshall Faulk. Even though Marshall Faulk was a six seed the year he broke the all time touchdown record, Adrian and got Peterson
2: it. Peterson was like ten and six. So Adrian solid.
3: Peterson. But yeah, that was because he went for two K off of the ACL. Yep. <laughs> like that was that was a very very special circumstance. Yep. Uh, if Tyreek Kill was doing this off of an Achilles or something, then I would take his case very seriously because people would just be like over themselves over how incredible he's doing off of an injury, right? Um, but the um, you know the the rubric for all the other quarterbacks. It's it's there. Like there's a way for Dak to win as a five seed, but he needs the most. He needs to wait. He needs to be the number one in total EPA. And right now, Brock is blocking him. Right. There's a way for Brock in as a two seed. In fact, he's got almost exactly the same rubric as uh, the Matt Ryan case. Like it's so similar, it's spooky, right? As a two seed in San Francisco, Brock Purdy is live, right? Um, he needs the number one EPA though. Uh, the one guy I can't find, and Mahomes is obvious because you can look up and down this list, and there's so many years where it just defaults to you know Rodgers Manning the best quarterback with a very good you know statistical profile I, I don't know one seed like plenty and plenty of plenty of latitude to make the case for Mahomes but Lamar I am struggling and I think you nailed it because the hurts case is the Cam Newton case right yep. it's like he went 15 and 1 he was two wins clear of the field he was kind of mid in every statistical category for the quarterback, but the team was so successful and he was so clearly the reason why on offense that he was the pick. And I think you can say that about Hertz if he's two wins clear of the field, but I don't think Lamar realistically in Baltimore can be two wins of the field. Is there something else about like, is it just like the anchoring the fact that he's already won at once the the something about just his likability, like what, what gets him into the conversation to beat any of these other guys?
2: So, it's complicated. because on merit. I'm not sure I'd have Lamar in my top six at the moment. I'd have Josh Allen very clearly ahead of Lamar. Sure, sure. Uh, but I think it's just people just – and it seems so silly and reductive, but people just really like and they are really overrating Lamar Jackson this season <laughs> where it's just there is something that is kind of – He has a certain immunity to his passing numbers because he runs the ball as well. So it's like, well, yeah, you can't judge him on his passing stats because he runs the ball and he's the entire offense. It's like, well, he also gets sacked a ton and fumbled a ton as well. And everyone looks as well at the fact that he's only got five interceptions on the season, whereas these other candidates have 10+. plus. It's like, well, yeah, but he fumbles it too and fumbles are worse <laughs> than interceptions if you lose it uh, yeah. because they recover it right at the spot instead of it going further down the field. So I think <sighs> that here's the thing with Lamar too and why I take him very seriously as an MVP candidate is that he lapped all the midseason awards and he didn't really have a case okay. at that point. But people were okay. just like, this team is the one seed. Lamar is the entire offense. He does it all. He has a low interception, kind of solid passer rating, good completion percentage. There are enough ways to justify Lamar, even though I don't agree with any of them. And so here's the thing <laughs> with Lamar: is that week sixteen and seventeen, he is at San Francisco on yeah. Monday Night Football, and then home to Miami. Uh, which are two absolute blockbuster games. Yeah. And he's not going to be much bigger than like plus 300 to sweep those two games. Right. If Lamar Jackson sweeps the Niners and the Dolphins in money time for this award to get the one seed, I think his pace cannot be discounted. And so I can't make Lamar much bigger than pick if he sweeps those two games. So it's pretty hard to make him bigger than eight to one for MVP, in okay. my
3: opinion. Uh, Thank so you. Thank you for spelling that out. That makes yeah. perfect sense.
2: Yeah. Okay. Uh, just lastly, before we move to Chiefs back is one thing I just want to say about the San Francisco secondary is that coming out of the buy, everyone's focusing on like, oh, Chase Young and the pass rush. What they did out of the buy is that they moved Diomedo Lenoir, Lenoir, I call him Lenoir. Lenoir. No, right. yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's always been the weak point of their secondary and the place that, you know, teams pick up because Chavarious water is so solid because mm-hmm. the safeties are so good. Uh, and they moved him into the slot. And they put Ambry Thomas on the outside. And I've always enjoyed Ambry's work. He's been yes. very uh, kind of unrefined, but he has been amazing the past three weeks. And Lenore Lenoir in the inside has been better as well. And if this Thomas thing is real, and I think it might be, uh, and you've got Thomas opposite Javarius Ward, uh, Lenore on the slot. You have, I know they lost Tufanga, but this uh, kid who's come in, I can't say his first name, but his last name is Brown. Uh, he's been really good since he's come in. And I just think, this defense, I would project that they're the best defense in football the rest of the way uh, if this Amber Thomas thing is real. So uh, that is just another thing for the Eagles to be worried about. So I look forward to them overcoming that as well on their way to a 28-27 oh, victory. Uh, <laughs> <off the laughs> Mary, dude, fundator.
3: Max Payne is going to be the Niners just romp here, and I have no dollars on that. And it's like 38-3, to three and there's 41 points. I, I'm, I, I will be... I will be uh, quite crestfallen on Sunday nights. <laughs> the two the
2: two bets to make off of this game, if you believe in the Niners, one Brock Purdy is still like fifteen to one to win yeah. MVP, and oh, yeah. uh, Patrick Mahomes is still plus six hundred. Which both of those prices are just completely ludicrous to me. To me, they should be the second and third favorites. Well, I mean Mahomes is the second favorite, but he should be much shorter. And I think Purdy is more likely to win than Dak and Lamar ultimately. All right, before we get to uh, that Chiefs Packers game. Uh, we have a little promo for it. It's a career first for Patrick Mahomes on Sunday Night Football. The reigning MVP will travel to Lambeau Field for the first time in his career when he takes on Jordan Love and the Packers. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern only on NBC and Peacock. This line, this line has been storming towards the Green Bay Packers. They are six-point dogs now to Kansas City. I think this might be trending towards five-and-a-half, some spots even. Uh, the total is 42-and-a-half. What was the look ahead on this? Eight, eight-and-a-half at some point. And then uh, and at open, it was uh, more in the seven range. But do you believe uh, in this Packers' steam, Drew?
3: Yeah, no. I well, I'm First of all, I'm, I'm mostly excited to see the uh, Chiefs wide receivers drop passes in a new location. Uh, never done. They've never done it before in uh, uh, in Lambeau Field, so that's exciting. Um, but uh, no, I I am not part of this Packers team. In fact, I probably unwisely got involved in this market too early, instead of letting it just kind of continue to drift to five and a half. Not that I'm saying I have any kind of influence on stopping a move like this, particularly like when limits are what they are right now. But um, yeah, I bet the Chiefs at six. Um. Largely thinking this was a, a little bit of an over adjustment for a Packers team that, uh, you know, kind of played a 99th percentile game against the Lions. Like yeah. there was one kind of exact game state path to victory for them to really get that team, and they got them. And the defensive line won their 1v1s against the offensive line for the Lions, and they were up that day. They played a perfect game. It was really, really, really cool to see cuz i'd like the packers to be competitive i like that I i'd like this team i would like more at teams in the nfc to be teams we want to watch jay that would be nice uh, and i'd like to see the packers in the mix in the playoffs not the likes of some of these other you know clubs that are currently occupying uh, you know slots there but um I think this is a step back before more steps forward for the young squad, uh, partially because this is a really, really different type of opponent to prepare for, not just uh, the quality of quarterback you're getting out of Pat Mahomes, but um, the uh, quality of defense you're facing now. Uh, I don't know that Nick Bolton will be active for uh, the Chiefs, but the fact that they put him available to be activated is worth following because you know, if, if he is back out there, their run defense is a lot less susceptible to getting pushed around. Um, I think that in general, the uh, AJ Dillon experience is wildly underwhelming. And uh, even if it is no Nick Bolton, I'm not sure the Packers are able to take advantage of sort of the weakness of the chiefs defense, which really puts the ball in the hands of Jordan love and Hey, you got to go do what you did last week, but now you got to do it against much tighter coverage. And I, I think we still need to see some more development before he is able to pull that off successfully. Uh, which means that I think the Chiefs are set up in a, a relatively, um, you know, relatively successful uh, potential opportunity here to get a lead, put it away comfortably. Uh, which is why I don't mind laying the points with them. The Chiefs matchup, I think, well against the Packers defense. The Packers defense is kind of they're like they they have a very. Clear ceiling in terms of the quality of quarterback that they can really defend well against, and Patrick Mahomes clears that bar uh, with with margin. Um, and so, I think the pass defense is schemed well to be able to keep quarterbacks six through you know, 32 in check. Um, but uh, Mahomes uh, mobility, his ability to evade pressure and uh, his ability to really hit the home run and utilize the tight end. All of it is, you know, kind of set up well to succeed against uh, the Packers team. And then if you got a two score lead in the second half of this game, unleash Isaiah Pacheco against that uh, relatively soft, difficult, you know, the weak run stop, uh, I think you can put this game away. So, uh, I'm Chiefs here. It's not a super strong play for me, and I'm not like, this isn't like the best bet of the week. I don't even really remember why I bet it other than, other than just like it felt like an overreaction. It felt like you were catching the Chiefs at a little bit of a market low for reasons that I couldn't really put my finger on. Um, but uh, yeah, I think uh, the, the Packers are will be a buy in coming weeks. I think they could win out after this game. It would not yep. shock me. Um, but uh, this is a bad matchup for them. And I think they take a small step backwards before a sprint to the finish.
2: Yep. I agree. And I think the thing here is that, uh, I mean, Jordan Love is ninth in EPA per play this season among quarterbacks, which is incredible. But his little uh, renaissance or emergence this past month, the three wins that he had where he played really well were against the Rams, the Lions and the Chargers. And in terms of pass defense, the dropback EPA, they rank 19th Uh, 21st and 26th, and I think the Lions are worse than that 21st ranking given that they are trending in the wrong direction. And now he gets the Chiefs and their fourth-ranked defense in terms of drop-back EPA against. So I think that's a problem for him. I think Mahomes found something last week in Rasheed Rice and the way that they were able to utilize him. And now if Rice is going to be a real thing to go with Kelsey and – uh, it just seems like as the season is going on, they're just narrowing the options in a good way. And all right, not as much MVS, uh, not as much Justin Watson who cannot catch. Uh, and if it's just Rice and Kelsey and Pacheco and mixing in some gadget stuff for Kadarius Tony and Skymore, then I think that they should have more than enough. And the Packers also have fifteen guys listed on their injury report <laughs> now. Most of these guys are practicing, but I'm not sure they're all going to play and come back. Yeah. Let's see what happens with Jair Alexander, Devondre Campbell. Uh, I don't think we're going to see Aaron Jones. So Pack is dealing with some issues on that front as they have for most of the season. Okay. All right. Before we get to our best bets, a reminder that Bet the Edge isn't the only show every weekday during the NFL season. You can also check out the Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, Connor Rogers, and myself. It airs live on Peacock at noon Eastern, re-airs at 4 p.m., and is available on our NFL and NBC Sports YouTube channel, as well as wherever you listen to your podcasts.
3: Go with the Rams, three and a half. I like four. I like some alts because, like I said, like if this comes down to you need a, you know, this is if this game is in the balance in the fourth quarter, the Rams are probably losing, right? Like this is this is one of those wide distributions. I really have a tough time feeling like I'm going to get hooked on three right here because uh, the Rams are either clicking in every aspect of the game and Flacco's not ready to play. Uh, or this is uh, you know, the, the kind of game where the Browns defense and their matchups actually do matter. And, you know, Browns for what it's worth, you know, full week of practice on, you know, and, and focus and concentration, you know, being away from family this time, you're like ha- having kind of a dedicated week of, of, focus is probably going to have them performing somewhat well in some aspects but the injuries are just too much for me to get over and uh ultimately i just i i I have way too much um recent memory of seeing joe flacco who just completely over the sport of football uh and uh his starts last year were rough uh he had more turnovers than interceptions or more more turnovers than touchdowns to the tune of like 5 to 8 or something along those lines uh and uh really just was very ineffective when he was up against um, anyone with a, a pulse in terms of a pass rush, including uh, you know some some of the teams that uh, you know also had Hall of Famers like Aaron Donald. So uh, I would expect that this is uh, you know an opportunity for the Rams to continue to uh, to build on what has been a couple of pretty impressive wins and uh, maybe even get themselves into a playoff mix.
2: Yep, I like that, and I think you're right with the call on the alts because this is a game that was. Designed in a lab for variance in terms of what just between the injuries, between what we're going to get out of Flacco, who might just come in and be, uh, you know, sub-professional as a quarterback. And that's why stuff like Rams minus 17 and a half, plus 600, um, that type of stuff uh, I think is uh, much more live in this spot than your typical game that is set at three and a half. All right. My bet, Drew... And this is what I like this one. Uh, Tim Boyle (laughs) under 177 and a half passing yards against the Atlanta Falcons. Now, he needed 38 pass attempts against the the Dolphins to get to 179 last week. The total in this game is 34, so there's not going to be many yards. Uh, the market is projecting, but the key to me in this is that I think that a lot of the game script that would allow Tim Boyle to be passing and to go over this number. I think that in a lot of those scenarios, he gets benched and he's not out there and it's Trevor Simeon instead. I think that's a very difficult thing to put into a prop line because uh, just your kind of get benched equity usually isn't factored in because most quarterbacks in the NFL aren't at risk of getting benched. Tim Boyle is more at risk of getting benched than any quarterback who has ever lived, basically, <laughs> uh, outside of maybe Mac Jones in recent weeks. But I think that if uh, I think that if the Jets are leading, then it's going to be Brees Hall. And if, I think if they're down, it's probably it's not working with Tim Boyle. And I think that they go to Trevor Simeon at some point. And I don't really know why they haven't gone with Simeon in the first place. But I think that however you shake it out, uh, I don't see Tim Boyle getting to 178 passing yards. What do you think, yeah. Mr. Boyle?
3: Uh, I guess I just got to make sure you're you're betting this at a book where if he throws a 99 yard interception that doesn't count towards yards, right? Yes, yes, that's correct. Yes, and I think then I think uh, you're what a, good. What a shameful, uh, <laughs>
2: shameful game of football that was! Uh, Inside. All right, we are done. A uh, reminder, if you want the rest of our game. Previews, recaps, all the stuff we've talked through uh, throughout the week. Uh, you can head to the YouTube channel or just scroll through the podcast feed. We've had a look at every single game. And also, don't forget to check out NBCSports.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks for those watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. Please rate and subscribe if you're listening to us as a podcast. And a reminder to find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music, just head to amazon.com slash NBC Sports from Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick. Good luck with your bets this weekend. Go Niners. We'll see you next week.
5: Emerge as you. Tremfya (guselkumab) is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection 6 times a year after two starter doses at week 0 and 4.
0: Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremfya may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor